Right. Well, today's scripture comes from Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to read verses 29 through 34. It's in the ESV, and uh, there are ESV Bibles uh, under your chairs for those who are here in person. If you're joining us from home, you may want to uh, grab a Bible. Uh, We're also going to project it, but sometimes it is kind of hard to read the text if you're watching this from home. Uh, But again, that's Genesis chapter 25. Verses 29 through 34. And once you've found the scripture, once you're ready to read it, if you could please stand as able, uh, especially for those here in person, if you're comfortable doing that at home, you can do that as well. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. We have been talking about how we can become whole, and we are going to be talking today about the better blessing. I've been asking this question a lot this year because it's a very important question, one that I think we assume we know the answer to often, but maybe we don't ask it enough. And it's the question, what do you want? What do you really want? And we have been talking about there's that levels to this question, right? On the one hand, in every moment, Uh, we we might want something, right, and your body and your mind and your appetites and your desires kind of lean in a certain direction. It's almost like a gravitational pull sometimes for some of us, right, Uh, where you you almost feel like you can't help but feel pulled towards that thing, right? Uh, Sometimes uh, in life, you know, we have addictions, right? These things that we habitually do, and there's like a part of us, our brain is wired to to try to seek pleasure in this way again and and again and again. And, you know, for addicts, you can definitely see that on one level, maybe they want the high of that substance, right? That, That drug or alcohol or whatever, right? But is that what they really want, no, because I think for some people, maybe what they want is to like forget their problems. Or maybe, you know, if they were to ask a little bit deeper, what they really, really want is to not have problems at all. Or to have peace. Or maybe to have a good family life. Or, you know, uh, uh, to, to, to be thriving in life. But on some level, there's this thing that is just right in front of you. It's just so easy to grab. Right, And one of the things that, that I hope that we've learned in life, and maybe it's something that bears repeating, is that grabbing that thing that, that you think you want, that, that thing that's on the surface, doesn't give you what you actually want. Right? That there's this disconnect between the joy and the happiness and the peace and the uh, purpose and all these things that we really, really seek and what you feel like you want. But the thing is, for a lot of us, we feel enslaved to what we think we want. And that's actually what we find in this story, right? So it's a very interesting story with Jacob and Esau. Um, it's these two brothers, they're twins, 
right? And from the moment they were born, so, um, I mean, they're twins, but in, in this society, uh, the firstborn was, uh, it was very important because you would kind of carry your family name and you were kind of responsible for carrying your family's legacy in this culture, right? And there's a lot of things uh, uh, traditionally that were given uh, in uh, Jewish and Israelite families to the firstborn. Firstborn actually gets a greater share of the inheritance. They get a double portion, right? Um, Because they're supposed to be in charge of like taking care of their parents and taking care of the estate and all these different things, right? And so it feels like a greater blessing, but there is greater responsibility. But in the case of twins, well, what do you do, right? There's actually a story in the Bible of twins where one of the twins comes out and they just tie like a piece of yarn uh, around the foot of the, wh- whichever twin came out first. Because when they come out, it's very easy to like not be able to tell them apart. And they wanted to know. It was very, very important. Which twin came out first? And in the case of Jacob and Esau, Esau comes out first, but we're told that, it's kind of funny to, to picture it, but that Jacob grasps the heel of Esau as he's coming out. And that actually becomes Jacob's name. It means the grasper, right? And so there's always been this kind of tension between these brothers, between their birthright. And, you know, um, there's a prophecy that is told that the younger will become greater than the older. Right, that Jacob will actually become the one that's that's uh, more blessed, right? But in this story, uh, well, and, and you find out that that uh, their, their their father Isaac uh, favored Esau because he was his firstborn son, right? And in that society, you, uh, a lot of people did, and so he always, even though there was that prophecy, he saw Esau as being the son that he would bless. Right, and so we get this story, and it's kind of a funny story. We're gonna go through uh, this kind of saga with blessing, this very complicated history that Jacob and Esau have with blessing. Um, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to highlight this story. I, I think it's it, man, this story is so hilarious. But in many ways, it really hits home for me. I don't know about you, but. Okay, let, let's, let's just get, get into it, right? So we're told that Jacob was cooking a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. We're told Esau was this kind of outdoorsman, hunting, and just kind of like being out in nature. And so he's probably a long day of just like, you know, exerting himself, whatever, I don't know. And he's really, really tired. He's exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, he's like, hey, let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted. And then they, they tell us <laughs> his name was called Edom, and it's kind of this play on words, because Edom means red. And Esau, when he came out, another thing about him is that he was really hairy and that he was really red. Like, and so it's kind of weird, but they're like, man, what, what is with you and red? You're kind of red, and you really like red stew. And you know, so his nickname became red. <laughs> and so uh, Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. <laughs> Sell me your birthright for a bowl of stew. And Esau says, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Now, I think this is really interesting because, uh, like, this is a physical appetite, right, that, that Esau has. Like, literally, he's hungry. He's famished. And this is, like, probably that level of desire that is, like, the most basic, Right? Um, and so we talked about the things that you want. And if you're hungry, right, there's 
kind of virtually nothing that supersedes that, you know? That that's the first thing you think of. If you're hungry, it has to do with survival, and you're just like, I, I, I'm so hungry, I can't think about anything, right? And so that's where Esau is. He's just like, man, I'm famished. That stew looks good. Stew now, right? And so he says, sell me your birthright, right? The right to be the first son. That's what he's talking about. The right to get a greater inheritance. The right to, to bear the name of the family. The right to uh, uh, be the one who's responsible for the family. Don't you think that's something that shouldn't be settled over stew, right? But for Esau, right? Like, like just look at this again, what he says. I am, am about to die of what use is a birthright to me. Like, do you think he's literally about to die? I, I mean, we say that sometimes, right? We're like, man, I'm starving to death, right? I mean, for most of the people in this room, I'm just saying because we live in America and, and, you know, food is pretty plentiful. I know there might be some people that have, you know, hunger concerns, but probably for a lot of people in this room, it's not us, right? But you say that. It's a figure of speech, right? You're so hungry, you feel like you're going to die. Was Esau really about to die? Or did it just kind of feel like that? And I think for a lot of us, in those desires and appetites we have, we feel like we want it so much. We have to do it. And to not do it, you feel like you're going to die. Right? I mean, so (laughs) for some people, it may not be like food, but it might be some of these other things that have become compulsive, these things that we've just learned to reach for. Maybe like our phones, right? For some people, you take a phone from someone, right? And they just kind of like get all like jittery, right? And they're just like, oh, like, do you ever feel like that? You just feel like naked. You're like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Right? And, and for some people, like, like, it's like, oh, man, I, I don't know what to do with myself. I, I need it. I need it. You know, some of the things that maybe we do compulsively, maybe some of the relationships we're in. Oh, if I wasn't with that person, I'm going to die. Right? That's what people say sometimes. If I don't see them, I'm going to die. You're not going to die. But it kind of feels like that sometimes, right? That's how intense desire can be, right? If I don't do that thing, if I don't you know, get that habit, if I don't have that drink, I feel like I'm going to die, right? So all I'm trying to say, friends, is not, I'm not trying to demonize anyone or make anyone feel bad if they have strong desires. I'm trying to tell you that the desires are strong, right? Where Esau, he's like, what does it matter, right? Like, so, so look at this, right? He's like, okay, so I have a choice here. <laughs> I could keep my birthright and go hungry, or I could get the stew and give up my birthright. And so he says, what used to me is a birthright if I die, Right? So for him, getting something to eat was his immediate concern. And it felt like he was going to die. It felt like if he didn't have this thing right now, he wouldn't continue. So in Esau's mind, in a weird way, he's like, yeah, that makes sense. It's a fair exchange, right? Because to me, all I want is something to eat, right? That's all I'm looking at here. I'm not looking at the future. I'm not looking at inheritance. I'm not looking at blessing. I'm not looking at birthright. All I want is what I want. And I think, friends, that is so indicative of where we are as people, right? Especially in America, man. Just so many of us, we're just like, 
Like, like, I'm not worried about 10 years from now. I just want what I want, right? I just want it now. And that's what Esau is saying. And so Jacob is like, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And it says, thus Esau despised his birthright. What does that mean, despise? Does it mean that he hated it? Maybe. Or maybe there's also this sense in which he wasn't really convinced that that matters, right? And maybe sometimes this is the problem. He's like, okay, birthright, I can't really imagine what that is, right? Because it's just not here. But you know what is here? Stew, right? Good-smelling stew and bread, mmm, right? This is what's real. Right? Birthright, I, I can't really just visualize what that is. And sometimes I think that's the way it is when we talk about things of the flesh, things that are material, and spiritual things. We're like, okay, okay, like God, yeah, I, you know, God is probably real, but is he really real? Do I know that for a fact? But what I know for a fact is stew, right? What I know for a fact is the things I want to do, right? The people that I want to hang out with right? The experiences I want to have, the drink I want to have, the partying I want to do, whatever it is, right? This kind of physical thing that's right in front of me, this experience I can have right now, the future just seems kind of foggy. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? I don't know what's going to happen 10 years down the line, right? And so that's what Esau does. He despises his birthright, and he chooses what is immediate and easy instead. And friends, I, I, I just have to ask the question. Metaphorically speaking, Have you ever sold a birthright for a bowl of stew? Have you ever exchanged something that is greater, but it's kind of in the future, right? In order to have something immediate that gives you pleasure now, but it doesn't last. Because I got to ask you, after Esau ate the bowl of stew, I don't care how good that bowl of stew was. (laughs) It could have been the best bowl of stew ever. I'm telling you, Four or five hours later, Esau was hungry again. Right? You know it. You know it's true. Right? There's not a single person who's had a bowl of stew, who's had an experience, who's gone out and partied. Right? Sometimes we're like, this is the party to end all parties. It is not. I guarantee you. There's going to be a party next weekend, and then a party after that, and then a party after that. Right? There is no experience you're going to ever have, even experiences with people, even the people you hang out with, like, you're the best person. I'm never going to find someone like you. You probably will. But even if you don't, that, your experiences with that person also change over time, right? It might be wonderful in the first flushes of infatuation, right? And, and you get that thrill and exhilaration, but it wears off. Nothing ever lasts. Nothing of flesh, nothing of material lasts. That's what Jesus tells us. Do not build up for yourself, store up for yourself, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. It all goes away. It's all impermanent. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, treasures with God, treasures in the spiritual realm, because those things never go away. And so, friends, what we're talking about here is this, this, this choice that we have in life between what we want and what you really want, right? And so what we want and what we really want, um, 
they're, they're two different things. And maybe some of us, we think, you know, uh, being the good Americans that we are, that we can have it all. We're like, yeah, Pastor Steve, I know where you're going with this. You're going to tell us that there's like greater things that God can give us, and we should want those instead of the things of this world. Yeah, 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 yeah. But secretly, a lot of us think, I'm telling you, because I'm there a lot of days, you know, every other day, sometimes I think this. I'm like, yeah, but I can have both. <laughs> I can have the spiritual things and I can have the material things, right? And so what a lot of us do is we choose what we want right now, right? So that's the person, right? And this is where we we're end up. We end up in the realm of the flesh, right? That's what we're going to call it, right? Just the things we can touch, right? Like, I just really want that donut, so I'm going to eat the donut. I want to play that game, so I'm going to play the game. I want to hang out with that person, so I hang out with that person. I want to take a nap, so I take a nap. I want to go on Instagram, so I go on Instagram. Whatever it is, these experiences, we are here, right? And so this is the problem, friends, is that if we stay here because time is limited and because of the nature of the things that we want and the nature of the flesh, what we are going to find is that there is kind of a gravitational pull that is pulling you down to the level of the flesh. There's a guy named Stephen Pressfield who wrote a a book called The War of Arts. It's kind of a, a, a little play on words of the Sun Tzu's Art of War. He calls it The War of Art. And and Stephen Pressfield is a writer, and what he would talk about is for creative people, and he even says the creative impulse, it comes from God. God is a creator, right? We have been created to create in many ways. But he's saying not just with writing, but he noticed this with writing. When he would sit down to write, there was kind of this invisible force, but a force nonetheless, almost like gravity, right? And he gave it a word. He called it resistance, And resistance is that little voice that whispers in your ear whenever you are trying to do something, well, for him, something creative, right? Like he's going to to write, and and he's, he's about to write, and then this little voice is like, hey, go check your Instagram, right? Like, like you want to write right now? Like, no, let's go check our Instagram, right? And this little voice that 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 the, the most seductive part of the voice is this one word. We all fall for it, right? I think we all fall for it. And the one word is later, later. Oh, yes, Stephen, you can write. You definitely can write, but do it later. Right now, don't you want to know how many likes you got on your picture of stew that you made last night? And he's like, yeah, I, I, I do, right? And so he checks the picture, and before you know it, an hour is gone, right? And then an hour is gone, and then he goes back to write, and he's about to write, and then that little voice is like, mm, yeah, you know, you've already wasted an hour, Oh, man, like, ah, I feel so bad about that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to go back to bed. Maybe I'll feel better after an hour. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll just do it later, right? In this voice that's always like later, later. Let's choose the easier thing. Let's choose the most pleasurable thing. He called it resistance, right? But one of the things that Stephen Pressfield says is that this has to do with anything where you are trying to elevate yourself. Right? You are trying to become a better human being. You are trying to follow the will of God. Right? He wouldn't use those words, but th- these are my words. Right? You are trying to elevate to something that I would call more the realm of spirits. Right? This is the way Paul talks about it. Right? There are the things of the flesh, the things that you want right now, and then there are the better things, the things of the spirit. 
the things where we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit and the will of God, those things are better. But the problem is, is that it's almost like a gravitational pull, right? Like, like if you just imagine that the greater things are up here, it takes more effort to get there, right? But doing the things uh, uh, that resistance wants you to do, it's like rolling downhill, right? It doesn't take as much effort, right? It's not that hard to roll over and go back to bed, right? Or your vice may be different, but, you know, to take a nap, it's not that hard, right? To go procrastinate, it's not that hard, right? It, it, like, like the gravity is trying to push you in that direction. And it's, it, it tells you seductively, like, hey, you'll feel better if you do this. And one of the things that, that Stephen Pressfield says is he says, resistance is full of crap and it lies. Actually, he didn't say that. He said, resistance is full of the S word <laughs> and it lies. It's lying to you. Right? All the time. It's trying to tell you this would be better if you just did what you wanted. And what most of us do is we believe that, right? And so, like I said, the way that, that it, it gets talked about in the, the uh, Bible is it talks about spirit versus flesh, right? We're not just talking about the body. We're talking about these things that are in this system of desire, right? In this system of, of like, it, it, they are kind of like material things, right? That we choose and prefer, right? And the way that I would put it is, are we talking about survival or are we talking about thriving? Because the thing is, the reason why your mind and your body chooses these things, because all your body and your mind are designed to do is to try to survive, right? And so what it's doing is that anytime anything makes you uncomfortable, your mind and body uh, interpret those things as threats, and it chooses what is more comfortable, right? And so that's why it feels like a gravitational pull. Now, we've said this before. If you were living on the African Sahara, and you didn't have a house, and you were out there with hungry, ravenous lions, and with neighboring tribes that want to kill you and put a spear through you all the time, then having an overly developed sense of fear where you're always choosing the thing that's safer, the thing that's more comfortable, right? It kind of makes sense. But in the world we live in now, and what I would say in the kingdom of God, where you are safe, it's not the best way to live, right? Because so often, the things that are going to lead to a life where you thrive, right? This is what Jesus wants for you. I have come to give you life and to give you life abundantly, overflowing, right? I want you to live the best kind of life. And that might involve leaving your house, leaving the comfort, leaving safety, doing things that you don't want to do, but are going to lead to a better life. It's what you actually really want. And so, you know, kind of fleshing this out a little bit more, what you want right now, it's these mostly automatic behaviors, right? It's a gravitational pull of what is most comfortable, what avoids pain, what's easy, right? It's low-hanging fruit, right? And so that's why none of it, most of us don't elevate because we're staying here and we're just like, mm, fruit, right? We're just eating it. Here, the rewards are immediate but often not long-lasting. It often has little regard for longer-term rewards and consequences. We're not looking at that. We're like, I want the bowl of stew. I don't care about the birthright, 
right? And so if we could elevate, if we could get to this other level, the level of the spirit, this is what we really want. This is what actually satisfies you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the spirit, right? And this is what God wants to give you, true purpose. The thing with staying here on, on the bottom is that it's enjoyable for a little bit, but it's like eating candy, right? Or drinking soda. It's good right away. It gives you a little jolt, right? When you have sugar, you're just like, sugar, right? It's like, hmm. And it feels good for, I don't know, 10 minutes, right? And then after that, you have a sugar crash. And if you only eat sugar, if you only eat candy and soda, you feel really gross, right? It's not satisfying. You probably can't eat anything else because you just ruined your appetite. You're full, but you're not satisfied. In many ways, you're more empty than you were before. And that's what happens when we stay here, right? And so, friends, just think about the many, many people. Like, just look at people around us in this world. Open your eyes. Don't believe what the flesh is telling you. Don't believe it because it's a lie, right? But we have been told this lie, and it's almost a worldview for Americans. Friends, please listen to me, right? We are told if you can do whatever you want, you will be happy. And it is probably the biggest lie you could ever be told about happiness. It's not true. Because if it was true, then Americans would be overwhelmingly happy and look around. We have never been more depressed. We've never been more anxious and fearful and divided. Right? So many people, man, you look at people around you, seriously, open your eyes. Look at people on the street. Look at people in your classes. Do they look happy to you? Because every single one of them is living by this type of of living. I'm going to do whatever I want right now. You can't tell me what to do. I used to to joke around that I think it should be America's motto, right? I'm going to do whatever I want, and you can't tell me what to do, right? And so where where has that gotten us, friends? Where has it gotten us? Are we happier? Are we more fulfilled? Are you going to live a good life? No, because you can't live that by the flesh. You can only get that by the Spirit. You can only get that by elevating, right? And so what you got to do, right? So our person who's here, you, you kind of have to ignore. You kind of have to push through all the things that you usually want to do. You have to not believe it, right? That's one of the things that you have to realize, right? When you're sitting there and you feel like, I'm going to die if I don't have it. It's like, will you really? Will you really die? Like, well, I really want to have it. The stew looks so good. Is it going to really satisfy you? Because in about four hours, you're going to want more stew, right? Is, is that the be-all, end-all? Or would the better thing be to have your birthright, to have blessing, right? And, and so you have to not believe it. Sometimes, like, like seriously, that voice in your head, right, that's always telling you, oh, let's do this. Now, comfort, comfort, safety, safety. You know, like, just do that thing. Do that thing that will make you feel good. Right? You know this, friends. If you want to elevate your life on any level, you have to stop listening to that voice. Right? I've mentioned this before. There's like uh, layers to this. Right? What we really, really want, where God wants to get us, I mean, it's, it's going to be you know, a, a couple levels above. But there's even a level just above what you want right now. And it's going to be things like exercise and studying 
and things like that that are, would be like actually really good for you. But if you do what you feel like doing in the moment, you're not even going to do that, right? Because those things would be really good for you, but you're going to have to push past those voices. You're going to have to ignore them. You're going to have to keep reminding yourself, liar, <laughs> you're not telling me the truth. Right? You're telling me that, 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 that I'm going to be happy, but you are full of crap and you're a liar, right? I want something greater. And so, friends, uh, I want to tell you about the other person in this story, our good friend Jacob, right? And Jacob, I, I kind of think of him kind of like Loki, because Loki, if you guys know him from the Marvel movies, he's like a trickster, Right? And Loki just kind of gets what he wants, right? And so, like, like, there's this meme of Loki, I do what I want. And that's kind of Jacob, right? And so, Jacob, he gets blessing, right? Or he tries to get blessing, but the way he gets it is like kind of shady, right? And so, there's this other story where uh, uh, Jacob and his mom uh, basically conspire to trick Isaac into thinking that um, Jacob is Esau right? Like his eyesight's not good. He puts on a, like a patch of fur because we're told that Esau's really hairy. And so when he feels his arm, he's, it's like really hairy. And then he, he, he presents like the food that Esau usually makes. And, and you know, it, it's like, like all the stuff that basically um, they're trying to get blessing on their own, right? And the funny thing is, is that Jacob actually does get the blessing. But then you get the story that comes later, where Esau, years later, um, we're told that, that uh, you know, right away Esau gets really, really angry. I mean, it's kind of a, a funny story because he sold his birthright, right? And maybe he, he, he didn't really know what he was doing, but maybe he just kind of assumed, like, ah, oh, no, no, no. I mean, Isaac's still going to bless me, right? My dad's still going to bless me. But that's not what ends up happening, right? Jacob deceives Isaac. He gets the blessing instead. And Esau swears. He's like, when I see Jacob next, I am going to kill him. And so Jacob flees, right? So years later, they get this report. They're like, oh, your brother is coming. And he's got a bunch of men. And Jacob um, sends his family away. He splits them into two camps because he kind of figures you know, if Esau's forces overtake part of the camp, they're going to be too busy killing half my camp. The other half of my family will survive. At least I'll have half my family. And so that's what he does. He splits his camp. He goes off on his own. And we're told in the night that Jacob does what a lot of us would do when we're really desperate. He prays. But the thing that Jacob prays for, very interesting. It's very interesting. What does he pray for? What does he pray for? Anyone know? I'll give you a hint. It's in the title of the sermon. The greater rhymes with dressing. <laughs> Blessing, okay. <laughs> yeah, we can have a conversation. You guys can talk too. <laughs> Blessing, right? He prays for blessing. Wasn't he already blessed? What was all that with Isaac? Didn't Isaac bless him? Didn't he get the birthright? But there's something in this moment where, like, like Jacob is like, I don't know what to do, right? Esau's coming to kill me, right? And, and I thought my life was a certain way. I've done it my way. I did what I want. I got what I wanted, and it's not enough. And so we're told that he sits there, and he 
wrestles with a man. That's what the Bible says. We don't really know, but it's not a man. It's some sort of heavenly being. It's either an angel or it's God, God's self, right? And, and it's a really interesting story, a very strange story. Um, so it says, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So he knows this man is not normal, because the man touches his hip and just, boom, like the, the hip socket goes out. He's like, oh, this is not a dude, right? And so he says, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me because I need it. I need a blessing. There's something missing in my life. He won't let go. I need the blessing. I need the blessing. I need the blessing. What I know about Jacob is him trying to get the blessing his way. It's never enough. His father actually has this beautiful blessing that he says over Jacob, right? And for many of us, we would think like, oh, that's so good, right? Got your father's approval. You're the favorite son now, right? You get more money. You get more prestige. You get more honor. It's not enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough until God blesses you. Because what is a blessing? A blessing is the best thing that a person can get. Right? You may bless someone, but I'm only a human. So my blessing to you is always going to be a human blessing. Right? Do I know exactly what you need? What exactly what your heart secretly really, really wants? What we've already learned is that we don't even know what we really want. Because we're going out there and we're chasing things that we think are going to make us happy, and they don't. Right? But you know who knows exactly what's going to make you truly fulfilled? God. So the blessing of God is what you actually want. And Jacob, man, he doesn't give up. He holds on. I need this blessing. I need this blessing. I need this blessing. I need this blessing. Man, there is something in there for us. Friends, I wonder for many of us, we give up too soon, right? It is kind of a little bit of a gravitational pull to get up to here to what we really want. But many of us were just like, ah, it's too hard. You know, I don't feel like it, right? But Jacob, when he gets desperate, right, when, when you, you have nothing, right? When, 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 when you, you, you seriously have nothing and you have nothing to lose, right? You're willing to give it all up. And so that's where Jacob is. He's like, I need this. I need God. He's tried everything else. He got love. He has two wives. He has tons of children, right? He has all the, these possessions. That's not enough. It'll never be enough. God, I need what only you can give. And so, friends, um, yeah, I, I just want to uh, kind of point out, right, what, what Jesus tells to Peter, right, when Peter is like, hey, you're the Messiah, right? Like, bad things can't happen to you. And, and Jesus says to Peter, these things that Peter wants, what does he say? Get behind me, Satan, right? What is Satan? Satan is the opponent of God, right? The things that are not of God, you know? And, and so he says, you, you are not setting your minds, mind on the things of God, but the things of man. That's what most of us are doing. We have set our mind on what we want, and we're so stubborn about it. We're like, I must get it. I must get it. I must get it. And Jesus, what he does to that is he rebukes it. 
Jesus hears it too, right? Jesus was, he was fully God, but he was fully man. He got tempted. He heard the whisperings, hey, pick a comfortable life, Jesus. Just get worldly power, Jesus. And he says, no, get behind me, Satan, right? I don't want what man wants. I ultimately want to elevate. I want what only God can give. So he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about losing the flesh, right? This level of life, giving that up for something greater. There, there were a, a, a few years ago, um, this was like maybe like seven or eight years ago, um, I, I, I kind of came to a, a crisis of faith for me. Um, and for me, uh, it's always been very difficult for me to pray. It's always been very difficult for me to uh, read the Bible. I'm just being honest. <laughs> I always told other people to do it, but if I'm being really honest, I didn't really like doing it. I did it so I could have integrity, and I did it to prepare sermons, you know? But I wouldn't do it on my own because I loved it, right? I would just do it to kind of check a box, right? But all of that changed in about, oh, man, when was this? This was about uh, 2013. Uh, There was one Easter where it was like this awesome worship service. We had all these people get baptized at church. It was such an exuberant celebration, I remember my wife was talking to me, and she was like, man, this is, this is incredible. Like, isn't it incredible? I'm like, yeah, it is. And the next day, I just had no energy at all. I had no motivation. I didn't want to do anything. And it was so weird. I'm like, I should be so happy. I should be so filled with joy. We're doing the Lord's work. This is so good. Then Tuesday came, and I'm like, oh, okay. It just Sunday was a big day. I'm sure I'll get my energy back. Energy doesn't come back. And it doesn't come back for about three weeks. And I'm just dragging. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I, I'm, I'm just going to burn out, right? And I knew it. I knew it. I knew if something didn't get fixed in my life, that I was going to leave ministry. And there was this weird feeling that I'm like, I think I'm going to leave the faith. It was a really weird thought. But I'm like, I, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. And so I got desperate. I went on a personal retreat. And I ended up going to Lake Huron. This is not my picture. I can't find my picture. Um, probably my camera wasn't so good. It wouldn't be this good. But um, this is a picture of Lake Huron. And I was looking out at Lake Huron. And I remembered this quote from Richard Foster where he said, the world doesn't need more knowledgeable people. What the world needs is deep people. And I remember looking out at this water, and you can kind of see it, right? Where it's closer Um, It's like a different color. Yeah, Lake Huron, at some parts, it's a little muddy. But when you get out really, 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 really far, and the water is really, 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 really deep, it looks so dark, right? It's almost black at that horizon line where it's so deep, right? That's how deep the water is. Even that muddy water, it, it just looks like black as night, right? And I remember looking out at that deep water and look, thinking about my soul in my situation. And I knew, it's like, I'm not deep. I'm not a deep person. I don't know how to be deep. I used to think all this time that I was more clever or more spiritual than other people, that I didn't need to pray, 
at least not the way other people prayed. I used to hear about these old saints that would pray two, three hours a day. I'm like, I don't need to do that because I have other things that I want to do. All these people who loved reading the Bible, I'm like, I don't need to do that. You know, I'm really clever and smart and I have a good education. Man, all those things just left me. And I was like, I, I, I honestly just need to learn how to love God, how to love spiritual things. I need to learn how to push past this level of myself that says, I want what I want. And I know that there's this deeper level that I need to get to. And so I knew my life depended on it. And so I started to learn, like, like I made this pledge that day. I said, I'm going to spend an hour with God every single day. I, I'd never really done that before. I tried it before and it didn't go very well. But I was like, I need to learn how to do this. If I don't learn how to do this, I, I'm done. And, and so I, I even asked people in the congregation, does anyone want to do this with me? There's a few guys who journeyed with me for a little bit. They all kind of dropped off. But I kept going. I got to tell you, the first like solid week that I would try to spend time with God, I fell asleep every single time. I got so discouraged, right? And on the level of the flesh, like, hey, do what's comfortable. This feels bad. Just do what you want. Go get a sandwich. Go take a nap, right? But I was like, no, got to push past this. We got to push past this. So I kept showing up, right? And, and I learned different things. I learned like, okay, don't spend your time with God right after lunch, because that's when you have food coma, <laughs> right? Let's do it in the morning. So I switched it to the morning. There's these different things that I learned to kind of push past and to learn how to get to these deeper waters, how to die to the things that I want, right? And so the question I have for you, friends, is what do you want? What do you really want? There's some of you that may not want this until you get desperate. <laughs> that's usually the way. Because sometimes, man, we're having fun. We're living on that level of the flesh, and like, like we're kind of okay with that, you know? We're so distracted that we don't even see how empty it is. That's part of the reason why I keep telling people, you got to wake up. you got to understand, right? These things, they can be fun, but it can't be your life. It, it, it just can't be. You're going to be like everyone else. You're not going to cheat the system. I'm telling you. You're going to be like everyone else who looks at, back at their lives and say, what was all of that for? I'm still hungry. I'm still empty. I still want more stew, right? And, and, and so this is the insidious uh, uh, message of the world, especially for those of us who are young. They're like, yeah, but th- see, that's because you're a student. When you get a job, yeah, and, and you're not married, like when, when you get married, you know, then you're going to be satisfied. And then you get married. And I tell you, look at all the married people you know. Look at all the people who have jobs. Are they happy? <laughs> I, I got to tell you, a lot of them are less happy than you for those who are students, you know? You get there and you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe it's because I didn't find the right job or I'm not high enough in my job or it's because I don't have kids. It's never going to stop, friends. It's never going to stop until you find the blessing from God. I'm not telling you that it's perfect. I'm definitely not a perfect person. But there are times where I'm just spending time with God and, and I, I may have nothing in this world, but just being with God, it's enough, My soul is satisfied that there are moments where I can say, God, truly, I don't need anything else but you. Can we say that? Can we say that honestly? Do we know God in that way? Are we too busy just eating the candy that's all around us that we will never get to the most filling food? 
the food that only your Heavenly Father can give you, only the Holy Spirit can give you. Praise team, can you come up? I just want to take a moment to dwell on that question a little bit, to just kind of linger there. Maybe I'll I'll just show you a picture of uh, that water. Has the blessing of God gone into the depths of your soul where it, it, it has fulfilled you, where you know that your, your, your soul is, is where it should be with God? You're not hungry. You're not unsatisfied. But you know who God is, and you know who you are because you know who God is. Friends, I'm not sharing this with you to make you feel bad, but I want to stoke your appetite. Stop settling for the stew of this world. It's not enough. It'll never be enough. The one and only thing that will truly satisfy you is the blessing of God. Can we just take a moment to just tell God honestly where you are? Maybe some of you, you you want it. You know you want it. And you just need to wrestle a little bit more. You need to hold on with all that you have. Seek with all that you have. And that's the promise. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. That's the promise of God, friends. But maybe for some of us, we just need to learn that it's not on our timing. It's on God's. So you've got to wait a little bit. You've got to endure. You've got to hold on. You've got to hold on till you get that blessing, friends. But friends, I just want you to know Wherever you're at, God does desire to bless you. He does. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. That's all the proof you need. And so, friends, can we just come with open hands before God? Say, God, I want to be blessed. I want the blessing that only you can give. Not the blessing of this world, but the blessing that endures. The blessing that is truly satisfying. The blessing where I can know my purpose. Where I can live for love. Where I can be filled with joy and peace. With all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want above all else. And I will not rest until I get it. God, I'm coming with open arms. Lord, stoke my appetite for the things of you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.